Good evening, everyone. Wow, this feels exactly like last week. Do you guys feel that too? <laughs> like Brady led the prayer time, and then I walking, I woke up like feeling the the same thing. Anyways, it's a good thing. It's a good thing, feeling the Holy Holy Spirit. All right, let's turn to Second Corinthians chapter five. I'm gonna preach from the Word today. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses sixteen to twenty. Are you guys there? All right, let's read it together. You guys read along with me, okay? With your voice. Verse 16, 1, 2, 3. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. So today's passage um, is really deep. I think I had to read it like over 20, 30 times to really get what God was stirring in my spirit. And verse 17, it's like everyone's favorite verse. It says this, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Amen? The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. But I want to dig deeper. Verse 18, I want you guys to look at it with me. Verse 18, it says this. All this, all this referring to what? The previous verse, verse 17, being that, we, us being the new creation, the old passing away, and then the new coming to us. All this is from who? From God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. So if you really study this first, really use your brain, okay? It means that having reconciliation with God through Christ makes us a new creation. I'm saying that us being the new creation was actually pricey. It costs something that Jesus had to pay something. It's not something that you can easily say, hey, you are a new creation, but it actually costs something for God and for Christ. So having reconciliation through Jesus Christ with God, that's the one thing that makes us a new creation. And you have to go through that process to be made new. Do you guys agree? So to break it down even further, only through Christ, you receive reconciliation with God. Is there another way? Is there another solution that you have? No, there's nothing else but Jesus. And only through reconciliation, you receive the new beginning. 
Is there anything else that you can resort on? Nothing else. Only through Jesus, only through the reconciliation that you become a new creation. Gives us a lot of hope, isn't it? Because we're sitting here as the new creations. Even in the natural, if you guys really think about this concept, reconciliation brings a new beginning in different relationships. Friendship, your relationship with your mom, with your dad. And reconciliation brings you to the new stage of relationship. So, for example, this year, I uh, had some cool reconciliation with this brother named John Westfall. Hi, Westfall back there. He's not even looking at me. All right, Westfall and I, for years, we were convinced, fully, fully convinced that we hated each other for years. So I was fully convinced that, you know what, Westfall doesn't like me. He really hates me. He treats me differently. And I totally believed that for like two years, I think. And then Westfall was 100% convinced that, yo, Myungha just doesn't like me. She treats me differently and that she just hates me. So we were convinced mutually that we just don't like each other, but that wasn't true. In my heart, I wanted to be reconciled to him, but I didn't know what was wrong. And then on his side, same thing was going on. So I was like, you know, Westwood really hates me. And he was thinking, you know, Myung really hates me. But then the truth was, we loved each other. And we wanted to be reconciled to each other. Is that true, Westwood? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so 2011, God really brought a random cool reconciliation. One day, we just kind of opened up. Yo, why do you hate me? I think I started it. I was like, yo, stop hating on me. Like, why do you treat me differently? Like, you know? And then he was like, what are you talking about? You you are the one who hate me. Kind of, you know? The conversation was kind of childish, but um, it ended great. Because we were like, you know what? That's been a lie all along. And then we love each other. And let's be friends, you know? So... It kind of gave us just like that, just like that. It just gave us that new beginning in our friendship, you know, as a brother and a sister. And in the natural, you guys can see that having reconciliation with someone, it really gives you a new beginning in that relationship. And reconciliation with God through Christ, it's the same thing. So it kind of looks like this, okay? It looks like this. You guys have perfect relationship. You and God had perfect relationship at the beginning. You guys can get that uh, from Genesis chapter, uh, before chapter 3. You guys have the perfect relationship in the Garden of Eden. And what happens is, very, very briefly, you offended God. Is that true? Did he offend you? You offended him. You wronged him. You disobeyed him. You broke the trust. You broke the covenant. You broke what he said. You cheated on him. In short, you were the bad guy. Do you guys all agree with that? We are the bad guys. And then God, who has all rights to stay angry, keep his wrath against you, send you to the hell and burn and let you burn and replace you and forget about you forever. He had all that right, but that same God of justice, he decided to initiate the restoration of this relationship. You know, Romans 5, 8, uh, it's our uh, Nepal team's uh, memory verse. Let me see if I have it down. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. When we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, I got it? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. I have it memorized. All right, Romans 5, 8, it says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So while we were still sinners, while we were still jacked up, God decided to send his own son into the world and place the wage of all sin, which is death eternal death, and his wrath upon him. 
So because Jesus took it, because Jesus died once for all, for all, for all of us, and now we are back to having peace with God. Now we can have that relationship restored with him. That's basically the reconciliation with God through Christ. That's how it looks like. Do you guys all get it? And then the origin of the word reconciliation, I looked it up on the, on the um, like a heap, what is it, Greek dictionary. And then the first um, definition is actually this, exchange. Reconciliation is related to exchanging things. So basically, in summary, the hostility, the enmity, right? Enmity? Is that right? Enmity, estrangement that have been removed through Christ's death and resurrection. And in exchange with that, you are back to having peace with God. So the peace and then all the estrangement has been exchanged. Exchanged, right? So if you have been reconciled with God through Jesus Christ, I hope every single person in this room is, you are a new creation. Isn't that such a good news? And you have received the new beginning. The new beginning. So therefore, your BC days, before Christ's days, it doesn't accuse you anymore. It cannot. It cannot speak lies against you anymore. Your BC days are gone. It's already done away with. And they cannot accuse you about anything. It has nothing to do with you. It is gone. It is done away. And then now you are a new creation. And tonight I really want to propose to all of you that don't, the, the, the new beginning that we enjoy in this room, that we can praise God about, is actually the deepest cry of this generation. God's been giving me revelation after revelation for the last like two, three weeks about the deepest cry of this generation, young and old. I'm going to explain. How many of you know that um, the suicide is the number one killer in this nation among the 20s and among the teenagers? It's way higher than cancer. It is way higher than car accidents. It's the number one killer among the young people in Korea. And December 20th, uh, last year, about two, two, three weeks ago, a 14-year-old boy committed suicide in Daegu. The reason was he was really severely bullied by his friends. And then the things that his friends did to him, not even friends, his classmates did to him was straight up evil. I don't even want to repeat them. Straight up evil, like torturing, like, you know, like water torture. I, I don't even know. But they did some terrible things, and he committed suicide. And two days after, another 14-year-old boy, um, this time in Gwangju, also killed himself. Same reason, because his classmates ostracized him and then tortured him and bullied him for so long, for like eight months. And teachers didn't do anything about it. And the parents didn't know about it. And evil things, evil things going on. That's another sermon. But for various reasons, all these young people choose to end their lives in their teens and in their 20s. And my heart really broke when I heard about this 14-year-old boy, two boys that uh, killed themselves because I just really felt like it was my story. I was so close to following the same path. I was so close. And 
I wanted to share my story when I was 14, when I was in middle school, junior high, eighth grade, whatever, for you Americans. When I was that age, I also was ostracized by my friends, actually my best friends. So I was really, can I just say I was really popular? Um, <laughs> I was just really popular. I was like a, a really good student. All the teachers loved me. All my classmates loved me. And I was having this fantastic life that a 13-year-old girl could possibly have. And I had this perfect life. And then I had all these um, cool friends around me. And I, they were like my crew, you know. And one day, they just gathered together without me. And then they just decided to turn their back against me. And then just overnight, they just started wang me, like hardcore. I'm talking about like Busan style, like hardcore, violent wang Like something that you've seen in like Gopoda Namja, like in Korean dramas, in Korean news. Like I'm talking about like the hardcore case, okay? Like actually hitting and like sting your, your, taking your money away kind of thing, okay? Cursing at your face. Something that you've seen in Korean dramas, okay? So that happened for months after months. So it was torture, and I would experience all kinds of... I was not Christian. I got saved when I was 19. So I would experience all these demonic experiences. I would hear demonic voices at night. I couldn't sleep. I had insomnia. I mean, it was terrible. Really, really terrible. But then um, one day, they all just went all out on me. So they gathered like hundreds of students at my school, majority of them, they all gathered around my desk at one lunchtime, right? And then I was literally sitting down like shaking, like literally couldn't even look up. I was just seated on my desk and then all these students came and all of them started yelling at me and cursing at me and telling me to die and basically kill yourself. You're not worth anything. All kinds of evil, bad stuff. And then at that moment, a lie entered my, 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 my mind. And I, I can still remember. I can recall that moment. It, it was just, you just got to go and kill yourself. I just heard it. And then after the day was over, I couldn't really do anything about it. So they just bullied me for like, you know, however long they wanted to. And then they left. And then uh, after school was over, after the whole school was emptied out, after everyone went home, I stood up and then went home. And... The moment I closed my house door, um, I started screaming. I know it wasn't me. I know it was a demonic spirit, but I started screaming. Like I went crazy. I started screaming like as I was shaking. I want to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to kill myself. So I was screaming and shaking. I walked into my brother's room. And I remember opening the drawer because I knew that there was a box cutter knife in there. So I took out the knife and I took it on my wrist and I was just shaking for like a split second and something shifted and I threw the knife to the ground and I started screaming something else. And the cry that came out of my mouth was this, with like the deepest cry of my heart, that came out of my mouth. I want to leave. I want to leave. I want to leave. I said that over and over again for two, three hours, just crying out. I didn't even know who I was crying out to, but I knew I wanted to leave. The lie that I was saying, like, 죽고 싶어, that cry was not mine. It was from something else. And I knew the deeper cry of my heart was that I wanted to leave. I wanted to leave. 살고 싶어, 살고 싶어. And after two, three hours, I think I just passed out. And um, 
from that experience, guys, you guys know how I will feel about those two boys that died. It breaks my heart. And I know how exactly they felt and what kind of voice that they heard and what kind of things that they went through, you know. And I know that their deeper cry was actually they wanted to leave. They wanted to leave. They wanted to have life to the fullest. And brothers and sisters, I'm not sharing this to depress you guys. But this high suicide rate tells me that there are so many that are crying out for new beginning. I mean, the same cry that I cried out like 10 years ago that I want to leave. But then what they hear in their mind is, I want to die. I'd rather die. It's just better to die. It's too difficult. I would rather just end my life. But then the deeper cry of their heart is that they want to leave and they want to have life. They are crying out for the new beginning. And they just don't know how. You know, everyone say, oh, 죽고 싶다, 죽고 싶다. You know, Koreans, they always say, I'd rather die. It's better to die. Oh, man, I want to die. Oh, 힘들어서 죽겠다. You know, 죽겠다, 죽겠다. It's kind of like a habitual saying that they have. But everyone say, I want to die, rather die. But it's only because they don't know that someone else died for them in their place. So that they don't have to die again. Because they don't know that Jesus took their death so they don't have to do it again. Because they don't have that hope, which is Christ in them, their cry that comes out of their mouth is, I'd rather die. But that's not true. The deeper cry of their heart is, give me a new beginning, and I want to leave. Give me the new beginning, and I want to leave. And I talked about the young generation, our teenagers. But it's not only the young generation thing. Do you guys know that? There is the same cry coming out of the older generation. Our parents, maybe our grandma, grandpa generation, the same cry is coming out of them. I've been contending for my family's salvation, my mom, my dad, and my brother. I've been praying for their salvation ever since my salvation, which is like seven years ago. So my mom, um, my mom, it's a very emotional story, okay? So <laughs> I hope I don't cry. But uh, my mom had a really, really difficult life. I mean, tell me about all kinds of miserable, terrible lives, and my mom had it all. You tell me, and she had it all, okay? I didn't even find out about it until I went to college, and she one night got drunk, and she told me all her secret, okay? And uh, I was just really, really surprised that she suppressed it all in, and she never showed that trauma and wound and all kinds of evil stuff that happened to my mom, you know? And I've been contending for my, my mom's healing, restoration, and salvation. But okay, I, don't, I don't want to dishonor my mom by exposing all her secrets just because she doesn't understand English, okay? So I'm not going to say anything, but she had a really difficult life. And um, actually, I graduated from Torch Trinity Seminary about like three weeks ago. And then my mom and my brother actually came. Uh, they attended my graduation. And um, the night before... Um, Following Pastor Christian's example, I wrote my mom a letter in my perfect Korean, in my <laughs> saturi. I wrote a letter, uh, all kinds of things, but th things that I wanted to tell my mom, but I never had courage to tell her, right? So 
you know, like starting with thank you, Oma, thank you so much for, you know, raising me, you know, as a beautiful woman, blah, blah, blah. Oma, I'm sorry for looking down on you, all the things that I said, you know, and two, like, affirmations. Oma, you're a great mom. I think you're really cute. You're funny. And um, it moved on to, like, I was really being led by the Holy Spirit, I believe. Uh, it led to, like, confession um, that... um. I never told my parents about my future plans. So ever since I entered ministry and seminary, my parents, it was kind of in my household, it was kind of don't ask, don't tell thing about Myung-ha's future. It's just wait until she tells us kind of thing. So I never told them about it, and then they never asked me. So for the first time, I just wrote down, Oma, I signed the contract with church, so I'm going to be working for church, and I'm going to continue in ministry. And then uh, I confessed that oh my, I had a lot of inner struggles because I know none of my family members are Christians. And also said, I know I had a lot of struggle in my heart because, um, I, because I knew you had so much expectation of me, right? Uh, they wanted me to be an English teacher. So all the expectation that they had on me, I knew them all. So, but I wrote, oh my, thank you for still accept, accepting me as your daughter. And my calling, even though you don't agree, you know, even though you don't support, but um, and uh, thank you for still loving on me, even though you don't like what I'm doing right now and the life that I'm living. And um, anyways, I wrote a long letter, and I gave it to her after graduation. And then my mom texted me. My mom never texts me. Okay, you're gonna get that. My mom never texts me. Her eyes are kind of blurry, so she doesn't really know how to. But she texted me back uh, like three hours later. I guess she was on the bus ride back to Busan, and then she wrote me this text message. Um, she she wrote this in Korean. 널 보면 뿌듯하고 엄마도 다시 태어나 너처럼 멋지게 한번 살고 싶다. That's what she wrote. So she said, I'm proud of you. I wish I could be born again and live a great life like the one that you're living. My daughter fighting. <laughs> and then for the first time, um, even though I've been praying for her for seven plus years, for the first time I heard the deep cry of my mom's heart and her need and desperation for the new beginning because she felt like it was too late. Um, but I know that uh, there is a new beginning in Christ. So I cried so much because I, I knew that there was a new beginning for my mom in Christ. And I know God has mighty plans for her and purpose for her, even though my mom is, you know, like past 50, whatever. <laughs> so, you know, even Joel 2.28, it prophesies that the old man will dream dreams. And I believe that that applies to the older generation in this nation. And... Yeah, God promised that he will pour out his spirit upon the older generation as well. You know, so many people have vision and heart for the young generation. You know, oh, I have heart for youth, youth ministry. And, you know, if you go to seminary, like 80% of my classmates, they had heart for youth. They were going to do youth ministry. But then a professor asked, how many of you in this room have heart for older generation, your parent generation, or even older, elders, elderly ministry? Zero. None of them have vision for them. Because maybe... Even the ministers of God agreed that it's too late for them. Maybe we didn't even see that hope in them. You know, maybe we don't hope for our parents' generation. Zero. It shocked me. You know, and I was one of them. Oh, I have heart for youth. You know, the teenagers. 
I want to work for them. I want to minister to them. What about our parents? What about our grandmas and grandpas? So my point is really simple. The cry that I hear from the young and old generation right now, in Korea especially, is that they want a new beginning. And if they were to be given a new beginning, and they want to leave, and they want to leave like the life that Christ will give them, like life to the fullest. And I truly believe that that is the cry, like deep down. You know, they say, I'd rather just die early. You know, I don't want to live 80 years. You know, I don't want to be ugly. I don't want to be burdened to you. But if they fulfill God's vision and dream, and if they, if they really live out that life that Christ has designed for them, they're not going to be my burden. Come on, my mom's going to go set free other people, you know? I know my mom's mad gangster. She's a Busan lady. So I know she can go out and bring people into God's kingdom. I know she's going to be an amazing evangelist. And my, my dad, it's given. Man, he's, he's so, like, charming. My dad is really attractive. Like, he's really popular, you know? So if he ever will put his faith in Christ, I know my dad's going to kill all his friends, you know? And it's game over. I mean, in a good way. Like, he'll, he'll, <laughs> he'll kill it in a good way, you know. So I know my parents can do it, you know. But who's going to hope for them? Who's going to tell them that there is the new beginning? And Paul in this passage is not only telling us that we ourselves, we like believers, it doesn't only tell us that we, have new crea- we are new creation and you ha- we have the new beginning, but he takes us uh, to another step, okay? So verse 18, it says this. So all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And so he says, God basically gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 18 says, God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And verse 19, it says, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Us meaning the believers. God entrusted us to us the message of reconciliation. And verse 20 He repeats, we are ambassadors for Christ, and God makes his appeal through us. Brothers and sisters, you are a minister of reconciliation. You have the message of reconciliation in you. And you are an ambassador of reconciliation for Christ. And he makes his appeal through who? Through you and through us. Basically, you're going to do the same thing that happened to you. You're going to go and multiply that. You were born again. You're going to go do the same thing. You received the new beginning and you love it. You're going to go give other people the new beginning as well. God calls us to be the ministers of reconciliation. He actually says you are. You are the ministers of reconciliation. And I made my point at the beginning, but I think a lot of you forgot. (laughs) Reconciliation only comes through Christ and then only through that reconciliation, what comes? The new beginning. The new creation can happen. So you doing the ministry of reconciliation, it's basically giving people new beginning and turning them into new creations. And that means that we can appeal to the lost world on Christ's behalf that there is the new beginning in Christ. That means that I can come to my mom and say confidently, Oma, there is new beginning in Christ. You know, Paul says this in verse 20, I think, be reconciled to God, be reconciled to God. That's like his appeal to the non-believers in the city. And, and I, I believe in that the word says that we are called to do the same thing. Be reconciled to God because he's going to give you the new beginning. 
be reconciled to God and he will turn you into a new creation. And that means, guys, that we can go and tell this young generation who are wonked out like crazy that, hey, you don't have to kill yourself. Jesus died for you. You don't have to do that all over again. And be reconciled to God and he will give you the new beginning. Oh my goodness, it stirs me up. I want you guys to turn to your neighbor and say, you are a minister of reconciliation. One more person. Say it. You are a minister of reconciliation. Amen. We are ministers of reconciliation. Verse 16, I want to um, point something out here. Same chapter, verse 16. Can we actually turn there? Verse 16, let me read it for you. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. NIV says this. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. And um, as I was um, getting ready for tonight, as I was thinking and praying about what to share and all that, um, I kind of found this verse very powerful. And I just felt like this was one of the uh, Apostle Paul's secrets in his successful ministry. I mean, Apostle Paul was a powerful minister of reconciliation. Wherever he went to, like salvation upon salvation, he was a powerful minister. He was successful. And I believe that this one verse gives us and reveals us that secret. And it, it, it means that, guys, it says, again, we regard no one according to the flesh. And I think it means that Apostle Paul didn't care about what he saw in the natural. When he saw people, he didn't look at them in the flesh. Like in the natural, it did not affect him. He knew the power of the gospel so well. I mean, think about it. He himself used to be an evil persecutor of Christians, you know. So, you know, who would know the power of, power of the gospel? I mean, Apostle Paul, of course, he would know. And he didn't look at people according to the flesh. But I'm going to explain it more. The first thing when I read this verse over and over again that came to my mind was 1038, uh, outreach, the invasion, we call uh, it's a monthly outreach that we go out to Itaewon streets and then we just meet people, we bless people, evangelize, we pray for healing, we love on them, right? So 1038 outreach, um, I <laughs> honestly tend to approach when I'm on the street, I tend to approach the people who look somewhat nice. Don't judge me. <laughs> but I do. Yes, I do. Uh, and I... Yeah, I guess I do judge the book by the cover. But I kind of like look for people that kind of look nice and smiley, approachable, per se, you know. And um, I'm going to be honest, okay. I tend to, tend to, not always, but avoid big guys with a lot of tattoos. I tend to avoid um, smokers, yeah, and um, black people. <laughs> I'm really sorry, but it's nothing racist. And white people too. Just foreign looking people in general. I tend to avoid them. Oh my gosh. Did I really say that? Nothing racism, okay? It's just because I'm native Korean and I'm just not used to communicating with them. Forgive me if anyone's offended. 
I have tendency to avoid them. And I'm trying not to. And I tend to avoid girls with crazy outfits, like crazy short miniskirts and like mean facial expressions, you know. But you're looking at me like, you know, you know that like scary looking girls, like cold, <laughs> cold faced, you know. And um, people that look shady, like, you know. Uh, <laughs> Forgive me, God. Um, but I'm just being really honest. So the bottom line is that I, I tend to approach the people that look nice. And um, <laughs> it's because a lot of the people that I described that kind of scared me, those people, it's because they seem to be deep in their sin. Oh, my gosh. I'm digging my... <laughs> digging my grave, huh? Oh, um, but... I'm just going to read it, okay? <laughs> I wrote it out. They seem to be stuck up in their own ways. They seem to hurt my feelings if I approach them. And they seem to be difficult to reach out to. Don't they? Sometimes? <sighs> okay. Forgive me if anyone's offended, okay? But according to verse 16, I shouldn't regard anyone according to their flesh, you know? <laughs> Amen. Oh my gosh, I'm a little sweating. But, um... Yes, uh, in the natural, they might look difficult to reach out to, but in the spirit, they might be the ones that are desperate for the new beginning. Amen. So, <laughs> for example, like, okay, who, who can I talk about and not going to get hurt? Like Jean, brother Jean here. If I met him on the street of Itaewon, I don't think I will approach him, like, to evangelize. It, because, because of his hairstyle. Because it has the stigma, you know, the, the, you know, the, you know, I don't think I will approach you. You know, I think I will approach like a Korean girl in their school uniform that looks nice and chake, all that. You know, I think I will approach her instead, instead of, uh, Chinopa, you know, if I didn't know him. So like, but if you know Jin, he's really, really hungry for the Lord. And if I ever approach him, he will respond, you know, he will, he will pray for me, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's going to like ask me, do you have any pain in your body? You know, he's going to straight up like minister to me, you know? So like, but like, there's a stigma, you know, I, you know, and then I really feel like Paul's secret was, <laughs> Paul's secret was that he did not judge anyone according to the flesh, according to his fear, according to the stigma, he didn't do anything. Actually, um, one of the most powerful encounters that I had on the streets, it was all with like those people that I was scared of, that I didn't want to talk to. Like talking to drunk homeless people at Seoul Station, like sitting on the ground, they haven't washed for like years, you know? And like talking to those people on the street has been like one of the most powerful encounters. And then breaking down in tears and accepting Christ and, you know, like, you know, asking about God and hungering for God. And, you know, that's just really powerful. And I think it was like two months ago, uh, 1038, I was with David O. And then we got to talk to this prostitute. It was kind of obvious that she was a prostitute. Uh, she was just sitting on a step in a dark alley of Itaewon. And then she was smoking. And it was a rainy day. You know, doesn't it? 
can't you picture that it's very shady and she's like sitting on the step alone like smoking in the darkness like in the alley back alley of Itaewon on a rainy day you know come on and I was walking by and I like intentionally looked away because I didn't want to talk to her because I was scared you know I was like man she doesn't look like she's gonna believe in Jesus you know in my flesh I was thinking man she's uh, she needs some Jesus but I don't know I was like looking away <laughs> but the Holy Spirit just convicted me Myung-hwa. Go talk to her. I was like, oh, <laughs> David, let's go. Oh, I think I need to talk to her. So we went over and then we grabbed her and I sat next to her, kind of away from her. I was like, 안녕하세요. Do you speak English? And she was like, she was actually more comfortable in Korean. And you can tell nobody wants to talk to her. You know, just, you know, talking in general. So I was like approaching her offering prayer for her, hugging her. I ended up like hugging her really tight for like good two minutes. And it was really powerful. I was like tearing up. I don't know if she was, but I was tearing up. (laughs) God was just really touching me. (laughs) You know, God was touching her too. It was a powerful encounter. You know, it's not like I led her to Christ, nothing like that. But it was a powerful encounter that I had, you know. And um, I was, you know, Paul said, we regard no one according to the flesh. You know, Paul was able to see people in the spirit, you know, not by their look, not by how drunk they are or how, you know, scary looking they are. Paul didn't care about that. And I think it was one of the secrets, you know. And Apostle Paul, his faith in the power of the gospel really just shows in this verse. Because he really knew and believed that it could turn the worst of worst sinners into the very righteousness of God. And I was challenged today Man, do I, do I have that kind of faith, you know? Do I believe that all these scary-looking people on Itaewon could be turned into the righteousness of God, you know? Do I really have faith in it? Do we really have it? So I want to challenge everyone next week. I don't know if you're going to do it or not. Maybe next month, 1038 is coming up. You are going to go out and talk to the people that you do not want to talk to. <laughs> all the scary-looking people in Itaewon, they're going to all get approached. Amen? Yeah, and I'll talk to the nice people, okay? <laughs> Just kidding. I'll talk to the, anyone that Holy Spirit leads me to. And then I do believe um, another group of people that are hard to see in the spirit, like, are your family members. It's so hard to see them in the spirit. It's so hard to not regard them according to their flesh. Because um, you, you know them so well. You know all their struggles, most of their struggles, not all of it. But you know what they've gone through, all the trauma, all the bad things that they've done. And because you've known them for so long, basically all your life, that it's hard to imagine them living a different kind of lifestyle. Like them being changed, your mom completely transformed, and having a different lifestyle. You know, it's really hard to imagine that. But church, I want to challenge you, and also, I'm talking to myself as well, that, like I shared about my mom, sometimes it's so hard to see them according to the spirit, but we are the one who need to shift first, and we have to look at them according to the spirit, and we, we got to see them in the spirit first, because they are not able to, especially if they're non-believers, they're not able to. And I believe that I'm the one that are called to see them in the spirit and shift them into the spirit, you know, from the flesh. Yeah. 
I'm like sweating and I lost my train of thoughts after that um, black person thingy. And, <laughs> but I believe you guys all got the gist of my message, right? The world is crying out. <laughs> hey, the world is crying out, young and old. Every generation, they're all crying out. Give me the new beginning. Give me the new beginning. And be reconciled to God through Christ Jesus. And people of God, be the ministers of reconciliation. Let's pray. Let's pray. (laughs) Father, we just pray together as a church, God. The word is really crying out for help. And God, the young generation and our parents' generation, older generation, they're all crying out for the new beginning. And God, they're just not aware. They've never heard that there is a new beginning that is possible for them. Father, they just did not hear yet that Christ died once for all so that they don't have to die again. And Father, we just pray, Father God, that you will turn us into the ministers of the gospel, ministers of reconciliation, God. The ones that will go out and to reconcile the world to you, Father, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Father, let us be sensitive to their cry, God. And when our students are crying out, when our parents are crying out, God, when our friends are crying out, oh, Father, in their difficult times, God, let us go and say, be reconciled to God, and he's going to give you the new beginning. He will make you into the new creation. And, God, it is our cry tonight, God, that we want to see them transformed. We want to see them, oh, Father, having the new beginning as a new creation in Jesus Christ, Lord. And Father, we just pray that you give us that boldness, God, like the boldness that Apostle Paul had, the faith that he had, oh, Father, that he will go out, oh, Father, and not judge people according to their looks, God. He will not look at anyone according to the flesh, God. And Lord, we just ask that you will give us eyes of the Spirit, that we will go out, oh, Father, and see people not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, God. And Lord, God, we will be the ones who will shift them into the Spirit, Lord. And God, I just ask that, oh, Father, you bless our 1038 outreaches, Lord. And God, as we go out as a church, God, I just pray that all these people that are desperate and crying out for new beginnings, they will all receive their new beginnings, God, through us, Lord. And God, we just thank you that you've given us authority, not only the duty, but Lord, you called us ambassadors. And God, you gave us the position with the authority to do so. So, Father, we pray that we will go out and exercise that authority to the broken, to the hurting Yeah, Father, that is our prayer tonight. And God, we just thank you that you all, to all of us in this room, that you've given us a new beginning. And God, we just pray, our Father, that that we are going to continue to cherish this, Lord. We're not going to take it for granted. The new beginning that you've given to us, God, it's never to be taken for granted. So, Father, every person in this room, I just speak to their hearts, God, that they will be filled with the new waves of thanksgiving and joy. And just understanding that Jesus died for me to give me this new beginning, to give me this reconciliation. So, Father, we just bring all thanksgiving to you. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.